from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you tonight and appreciate you tuning in to the show. An impromptu show, I felt like I just needed to do it. That is the beauty of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora being on the internet. Is at any given time, any given place, any given moment, if I want to do a live show, we're doing a live show. I don't have to ask permission. I don't have to get the feed. I don't have to have somebody come in. I don't have to make sure the tower's working. I don't have to preempt or take over somebody's show. I just walk right into the studio and we get this thing popping. So, if you were not watching the USF-UCF game, I don't know what you were doing. Maybe you were late Black Friday shopping Maybe you were eating some turkey. Maybe the trip to fan got you again. I don't know what it is, but whatever was going on, hopefully you did not miss this game. This was a phenomenal, phenomenal game played by two phenomenal teams in a phenomenal conference. Let me restate, and you cannot overstate by any stretch of the imagination, how beautiful this game was, how wonderful this game was, and how the state of Florida has some good teams that are not named Florida State or Florida or Miami. And, you know, I mean, this is this is just a crazy, crazy, crazy day. And I want to get into this right now. I want to I take a look at some things right here. So, you know, there's a bunch of teams when it comes to college football. You know, you have... You have Florida Gators, you have Florida State, you have you have the Florida State Seminoles, Miami Hurricanes, UCF Knights, the South Florida Bulls, and of course FAU, FIU, and the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of different schools in the state of Florida, but when it comes down to it, the focus is typically on Florida State and Florida. And then Miami has jumped up in recent history here to be one of those teams that's been in some prominence, but UCF and USF, these are teams that are growing and starting to get that respect, demanding the respect that they deserve. It's the it's the second hot well, this one's promoted, so it's the number one thing trending on Twitter right now. The number one thing trending on Twitter. So a big shout out as we're doing a live show here in the studios, a wake up call with Dan Satora. Shout out to USF versus UCF for being the number one trending topic. Well, I'm in studio right now. It's so crazy, so exciting. I think it's, you know, there's so many different things I want to talk about. You know, obviously we have to discuss this game, but I want to give huge props and a big shout out to the American Athletic Conference, first and foremost. They don't get the respect that they deserve, and they deserve a lot of it. These are, you know, when you look at the American Athletic Conference, and it's so easy for me uh, being inside of the American Athletic Conference. Uh, I've been covering this conference since its institution. It's been around for four seasons, 
It has had a football championship game for three, this being the third. And, you know, to make mention of these schools to Central Florida, Cincinnati, UConn, East Carolina, Houston, Memphis, Navy, South Florida, SMU, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, and when it comes to basketball, the institution of bringing in Wichita State, you know, you have to give all kinds of respect to the American Athletic Conference and the amount of work that they put forward and done. People are going to jump on the bandwagon right now. They're going to listen in. They're going to watch. They're going to want to know who UCF and USF are. This is one of the best games played. This might be the best game played in college football for the final weekend in Week 13. Depending on how close Alabama-Auburn is, if they're not close, if Clemson and South Carolina aren't close, then this is hands down the best game that we're going to see in the final week of college football for Week 17. These teams have been great. They have been exciting all season long. Crazy thing about the American Athletic Conference in South Florida and a heartbreaker is that Quentin Flowers has been their quarterback for a while now. And he's been the quarterback, obviously, for the last three seasons of South Florida. And in the three seasons that there's been an American Athletic Conference football championship game, South Florida has ended second place in the American American Athletic East Division. So the entire time that Quentin Flowers has been a quarterback in the league that there's been a championship game for. He has been second in the East, twice to Temple, now to UCF. Absolutely insane. Really sad for Quentin Flowers and and for South Florida because South Florida has literally been the second best team of the East who has come down to the last week with Temple the first year of the football championship, which was two years ago, last year with Temple, and this year with UCF, and Temple's right behind South Florida in this one. So, crazy. Uh, South Florida ends the season 9-2 and for the regular season. UCF ends the regular season 11-0. and They become the first team in history to go from totally defeated to undefeated in two years' time. They were 0-12 in 2015. They're 11-0 and this year. They did not play 12 games because of Hurricane Irma, so they didn't have an opportunity to play a 12th game. I know that they tried to get everything done, but they couldn't get to 12. So they're the first team in ever, ever in the history of the FBS with 130 teams right now to have ever gone from totally defeated in one season, no wins, two years ago, to two years later being undefeated from 0-12 to 11-0, Central Florida at the top of the American Athletic East. At the beginning of the season, I asked, I was asked to do the voting for the American Athletic because I cover the conference. I was asked to be involved in the preseason media poll. And I had South Florida first, UCF second. And I said, am I crazy for doing this? Am I crazy for thinking that a team that was 0-12 to 6-6 six and six is going to be better than Temple, but they didn't have Matt Rule. Is it, am I going to believe in Scott Frost this much to pick them to be second behind South Florida? And obviously it turns out that not only was I not crazy, but I didn't put them high enough. First place in the division. They will face off against Memphis. The cool thing about this is they played each other already this season. UCF beat Memphis 40-13 to earlier on this campaign. Memphis has only lost one game all year, and it was to UCF. Memphis has one game to play. They will face off against East Carolina at home in Memphis, Tennessee, on November 25th at noon Eastern time on ESPNU. If they win that game, their only loss this season will have come to Central Florida. They will be 10-1, and and UCF will be 11-0. How crazy and how insane that is. 
They will be 10-1, and one, and they were affected by the hurricane season as well. They'll be 10-1, and one, UCF will be 11-0, and 0, and they'll be going up against each other with a combined record of 21-1, and one, and the only loss that Memphis has endured this season will have come to Central Florida, who has a chance at home to beat them again. And the last time that they played one another, they were at home in Orlando. So they got a second crack at Memphis, at home once again. Huge game, huge opportunity, really exciting, really crazy, can't believe it. But it's happening. So many different things to talk about with this game. Like I said, you know, the American Athletic Conference, they were given this time. They have a deal, obviously, with, with ABC and ESPN and uh, to have their games shown on television. They play a lot of Thursday games so that they will get on TV and get some respect that they so, they, they so well have earned, in my opinion. They're willing to play on any day of the week. I, I think one of the coaches said, you know, we'll play on Tuesdays if we have to. We'll play on Tuesday. We'll play on Monday. It doesn't matter. You know, and, and when it comes down to it, this is a team that, that has asked over and over and over again. Uh, I shouldn't say a team, uh, uh, an institution of the American Athletic that's demanded respect over and over again. Put us on television. Let us show you what type of football we bring about. No game better. No game, but this game rivals any game this entire year. Yes, Syracuse upset Clemson. Yes, Miami was upset by Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh today, the same day as USF, UCF. But as far as a game that top to bottom from beginning to end, these two teams had both scored in the first quarter early on. The game had just started. I didn't, I wasn't even looking. I'm thinking in my head, both of these teams are going to score, but you know, it might take a couple minutes. I'm out eating. I'm having a, you know, I'm having some bread. And, and I'm not paying attention. I look up, and it's 7 to nothing, but then it's 7 to 6, extra point, 7 to 7. South Florida scored first, then Central Florida. This game, hands down, from the opening minute to the final moment of this game, was by far one of the greatest rivalry games in the history of USF, UCF, Warren I-4, and in the history of college football. The American Athletic Conference put together a phenomenal product on the field once again, and they put it on prime time. Broadcast Network TV, ABC, if you had the rabbit ears and an old television, you could still pick up this game. So the thing is, and, and you know, my dad's texting me and he's watching. My dad doesn't watch anything other really than Syracuse football. He's watching this game. He texts me and he's like, are you watching this game? Oh my God, this is crazy. What's going on right now? Can you believe what's happening? He was pumped for this game and he doesn't have a dog in the race. And, you know, the, so like I said, the American Athletic Conference has put together very, 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 very long of a list of why they should be respected in a reputable conference that should be on television. This game was a phenomenal highlight. South Florida and Central Florida might have just helped out the American Athletic for the next 10 years in saying, give us this opportunity. You know, we have a rivalry game. We play it at the end of the season. Give us an opportunity to be on ABC every single year in week 13, watch what we're going to do. Watch what we're going to show you. Watch how effective and how strong and how much fun we could be in this game. Charlie Strong's in his first season as the head coach of South Florida. He gives him a 9-2 and record, 6-2 and in the conference. Puts him right where they were with Willie Taggart, who left for Oregon. So really no drop-off for South Florida. And then Central Florida's second year under Scott Frost, and they're killing it. And we're here on the live line right now. 
and South Florida, Central Florida. I couldn't figure out a better way to have this live impromptu show on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and on the homepage of wakeupcalldt.com. Then I have my brother on the show, Jason Lucas. This man and I have worked together for years. We met in Orlando in the Citrus Bowl from our work with the Florida Tuskers of the UFL at the time. We built up a strong friendship, a bond of brotherhood, and this man was down at a game that I was watching on television, but this game had implications on where my flight ticket was going to be bought for next week. And he's here with me on the air right now, live. He was on site, UCF, USF. He's in Orlando. He's 12 rows up, right behind the goal line, 12 rows up from that. This man had a phenomenal experience. I watched it. I've said a lot about it, but nobody can say more than when you're physically sitting and feeling the energy. Mr. Jason Lucas, how are you doing today, sir? Couldn't uh, better, Dan. <laughs> Glad to hear you're coming next week. Yeah, I, I got I to gotta ask you, got to ask you, Jason. Bring me into, from moment one to moment zero, was there ever a dull moment in the stadium? Was it ever quiet? Because I can't, I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around the fact that, that there was ever a dull moment in this game. Nope, never a dull moment with our guys going down left and right. Our uh, defensive guys kept getting hurt. It was kind of getting a little nerve-wracking in the middle of the game. And and uh, couldn't wake up the offense halfway through the game. 21 points in the first quarter and then nothing until the third. So, man, I mean, never a dull moment. That fourth quarter popped my heart two or three times. I thought I was going to be on my way to Florida Hospital after that. Yeah, I mean, this this game is it was absolute insanity. You know, you look at Mackenzie Milton and, and what he's done in a very young career at UCF, uh, somebody who was given an opportunity from his head coach to go out there and, and go to work, speaking on Scott Frost. And, and, you know, he said to McKenzie, you know, McKenzie's grown. He's only a sophomore. He played last year as a true freshman. This year, he came into this game with 26 touchdowns and five interceptions. So all but 10 of his touchdowns in his career and seven of his interceptions have come this season, 26-5 and five going into the game. He comes out of this matchup, Mackenzie Milton, with four touchdowns, one interception, and a touchdown rushing. What can you say about Mr. Mackenzie Milton? The guy's only a sophomore. He's still a teenager in college, and he's putting up these numbers. And, and obviously, I'm not going to say he's reputable for UCF, a reputable, reputable for Florida, reputable for the American Athletic. This man is a, is a national. He should demand some national recognition, I believe. Yeah, it's really a darn shame that uh, his name isn't mentioned in Heisman talks, and and uh, he put up the numbers you just went over. Had an amazing year. Uh, I mean, led this team to eleven and zero the first time in school history. Nobody had it. Nobody saw it coming. And uh, this was the guy that was so questioned last year. Nobody thought that he was going to have the season he's had, and he's kind of come out of nowhere. And, yeah, it was a shame that nobody talks about him. And uh, kind of the same thing uh, with USF's quarterback, Flowers. It's crazy. Nobody talks about either one of them uh, for these awards for the best player in the country. No, and, and, and I want to make a correction here. For the for the season, he has over 30 touchdowns now why well, I, I shouldn't have to say make a correction because i didn't include these but over 30 touchdowns to only a mere six interceptions uh, this season as it stands or maybe seven at this point so seven interceptions over 30 touchdowns uh, seeing him live I, I mean 
we talk about Quentin Flowers, and we're going to discuss that in a minute, about him being elusive, about about him being, you know, just, and I'm not going to call him a poor man's Lamar Jackson because he's had a better season than Lamar Jackson. But, you know, Quentin Flowers is another one of those guys that doesn't get mentioned enough. We'll discuss him in a second. Mackenzie Milton literally, it looked like he was saying, okay, Quentin, you can get out of four tackles, I'm going to get out of five. Pretty much. He, he did some amazing things on the option tonight. That first touchdown where he got about to the 10-yard line, it looked like he was doomed, and he pitches the ball to Killens, and he goes in for the touchdown. It's kind of, you know, very sports-centered top 10 type stuff there from Merton. Just, it, it's been an amazing year uh, for him, and couldn't be prouder of how he's played and, and how he's shown up every week to, you know, lead this team to averaging 49 points a game. It took some work, but they got there tonight. Just an amazing year. I don't even know what else to say about it. No, I, you know, to see, and, and I want to go back to, you know, him throwing the pick. I mean, what's what's going on in the stadium? What are your emotions in that moment where he throws an interception? Because he threw some, he threw some, you know, Mackenzie Milton threw some passes in this game that, you know, I, I made everybody collectively hold their breath. I mean, instead of throwing the ball away, he seemed to toss it up there and pray that somebody came down with it. And, and I think that that, obviously created some nerve-wracking moments in Orlando. Yeah, sure. On that play, uh, Trayvon Smith was running a crossing route and uh, hadn't really been targeted too much in the game, and you felt like they were starting to force it to him a little bit. And I think USF felt it too. Of course, that player made a heck of a... It, it looks like it looked like a one-handed pick as he was diving. Uh, it was a really a great play on his part. Um but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the throw that Milton made that actually made my heart sink the most was the touchdown to Snelson when he was rolling to his right and he threw the ball back across his body, back shoulder to Snelson when everybody else was going right, he threw the ball left. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? And then touchdown. So that's Milton for you. You just never know what he's going to do at uh, any given moment. It doesn't matter if he's rolling right or left. He could throw back right or left. It really doesn't matter with him. So he's been... Uh, He's the guy you got to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, and on the other side of it, speaking here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, live here on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT with Jason Lucas, who is on site on hand for UCF USF. Uh, on the other side of this matchup, Quentin Flowers, you know, I, I think I think the most heartbreaking thing about this is UCF is a great story on one side, but Quentin Flowers on the other side, the man's a senior you know, he's become so synonymous with South Florida that I feel like some people think that this man's been playing there for 12 years. He has he has been everything to this team. He is the heart and soul of this team. He does not have his father here on earth, does not have his mother here on earth, does not have his brother here on earth. And I had an opportunity to interview him in uh, the early 2010s here when he was getting recruited. I, you know, I had an opportunity to interview him when he was recruited by South Florida and Syracuse and whatnot, and we just sat down this past July in Rhode Island and had a face-to-face conversation for the first time and a follow-up on his history and, and then learning about his family and how he's navigated through that. One of the most heartbreaking things in this game is, is knowing that Quentin Flowers has tried three times in a row and South Florida has not made it to the AAC championship. As I said earlier, it's 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 only been around for three years. Temple was just above South Florida. 
then just above South Florida, and now UCF jumped over South Florida and held on. Just what you could say about the team that's not going to be repping Florida in the AAC championship at Quentin Flowers, just, just what he's meant to this program. He's a Miami, Florida native, and he's playing in Tampa not too far away. I mean, this man brings tears to your eyes when you hear his story and just what you could say about him, Jason. Absolutely, Dan. Well, you know, I'm no stranger to tragedy. And, uh, man, it's, it's, the guy's a blessing to that football team. He's, he's a blessing to the team. And, and really, he keeps them in ball games. Uh, when they struggle, he's the one that makes the plays and kind of makes the ship go. He did it again tonight. Uh, you know, long yard situation there at the end of the game. He throws an 83-yard touchdown pass. And uh, my heart was down in my toes when he did that. And, yeah, it's, it's really hard to root against a guy that's been through that much and, uh, you know, still still stands there as strong as he is and makes the plays he makes and, and goes through life. He, he's got a good career ahead of him in the NFL, I think. I think a lot of teams will take a real serious look at him. Uh, Probably, you know, close to the top rounds of the NFL draft. Probably, you know, no less than the second or third round for him. You know, great kid. And uh, unfortunately for him, I'm, I'm kind of glad he lost today because I'm a UCF fan. But uh, nothing bad I can say about him uh, as far as what he's done for their football program. And really, they've been a great team all year. They should have been ranked coming into this game by the CFP. It was really kind of messed up. I thought that they weren't at least 24 or 25, and unfortunately they had to lose today, but uh, they'll be all right and uh, go on to a great career. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you bring up the college football playoff rankings. I think the college football playoff committee forgot that there was a, another conference in what's called the Power Six and not the Power Five, so if they don't get to know it, they better start to be about it. Uh, it's something that makes no sense to me at all. Washington State beat Utah, who did pretty much nothing. And, you know, I mean, Utah is, is, is a subpar team this season. Washington State defeated them and moved up three spots by defeating a team that doesn't even have a 500 record. Then in a bye week, they moved up a spot. They didn't even have a game, and they were able to move up. It made absolutely no sense to me. Uh, UCF was 18th in the first college football playoff rankings, didn't move up in the second week, moved up to 15 in the third week, and stayed at 15. And like you said, South Florida not even included in this. And, 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 you know, to me it's crazy. I mean, South Florida's, with Clinton Flowers, they, they, I mean, I'd put them up against anybody. And I said in this game that I picked Central Florida because I thought it was just going to be too much offense. I thought these teams could hang with each other, but that Central Florida had just a little bit more. And they obviously showed that in this game that they had just a little bit more than South Florida. But, I mean, I put both of these teams in the college football playoff rankings, and the last time I checked, if there's only if there's only four undefeated teams left in the nation, and now there's three undefeated teams out of 130, if there's only three undefeated teams left in the nation, shouldn't those teams represent America in the college football playoff? I mean, Dan, yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think the only thing you see at the lacking is that quality loss. I mean, you should be saying three quality losses, and they sit in front of us uh, instead of losing again this week. I think we'll finally jump them this week. But it's like, what does UCF have to do to get some recognition for what they're doing here? Just, I mean, it's not easy to go 11-0, especially with a team that survived a hurricane 
like a real life natural disaster event where you're wondering if your house is still going to be there, if your family members are alive, and they're getting no credit for everything they've done this year. Just a major disrespect from college football playoffs, and you know it, it's fine if you want us to go play Georgia on the road, you want us to go play Florida on the road, you want us to go play Alabama on the road. We're going to play them except for oh wait, they won't take our phone call. They'll hang up. They don't want to play us. So there's nothing we can really do about. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing that makes no sense to me because, you know, they talk about you got to be this and you got to be that and you got to be the other thing. I said the American Athletic Conference has a chance to send seven to eight teams of their 12 to a bowl game this season where the SEC, which is supposed to be the best college football in the country, may fire seven of their coaches. So it's a big difference between saying seven are going to a bowl game and then with the SEC, seven are starting a new era with a new coach. Big difference. And, you know, if the American Athletic wasn't so damn good, then why does everybody want to pick up the phone and call their coaches? Charlie Strong's been in UCF for five, USF for five minutes, and he's on a list. Scott Frost has been in Central Florida for not even a full two years. He's on a list. Mike Norvell in Memphis, he's on a list. Chad Morris at SMU finally got them to a bowl game in his third year. He's on a list. Matt Rule's already been taken to Baylor. Willie Willie Taggart's already in Oregon. And Tom Herman from Houston is already in Texas. So if, if the American Athletic doesn't have good coaches, quality teams, and the ability to be successful, then why in the hell is the rest of America running around rampant trying to throw money at these guys? Well, 100%. I mean, the, the titles are won by, by your brand name. They're, they're won by Alabama because you're Alabama, not because you play the best schedule and you kick the crap out of everybody. Didn't they play like somebody out of middle of nowhere last week? I can't even remember who it was. They played them and beat them 56 to nothing. In, you know, in November, like, that's when the most meaningful games should be played. And uh, I even did my own show on that and said, hey, you know, why can't we call Alabama? It was Mercer, that's right. Why could they play Mercer, who, like, barely even has a real football team, in the middle of November? Why aren't they playing a meaningful game? It just doesn't make any sense. It just feels like, from the outside looking in, that's exactly what we are as UCF. We're going to be on the outside looking in until somebody invites us to one of these grandpa and grandma conferences that include, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but include Wake Forest, who's garbage, Vanderbilt, who's garbage, year after year after year in football. I'm sorry to say it, but you keep these teams alive in those conferences, and that's great, you know, good for them. They get to play a hard schedule, and they don't win any games. Why not put somebody in there that can compete? Like UCF that's trying to grow and play better teams every year. It's just a shame that we can't we can't get those kind of teams on the schedule. Like I said, they hang up the phone. Yeah, you know, and something that George O'Leary told me, he was like, you know, we had no business being in the bowl game that we were in a few years back. You know, we had no business being there. We weren't supposed to be the team that was supposed to advance. And I, I thought it was hysterical when you go back in time for UCF and you go back and, and, and look at that game and I want to go back here and, and get the score and everything for you. But, you know, in the Fiesta Bowl 
back in the 2013-14 season on Wednesday, January 1st. It was a it was a New Year's Day bowl against number six Baylor. UCF had no business being there. They sucked. They were 11 and one. Who cares? No big deal. They're not a good team. And they defeated Baylor's 52 to 42. Had a 12 and one record. Were 8 and 0 in their conference. A phenomenal season for them. And then I was reminded by George O'Leary that he had this quarterback that was drafted third overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but everybody was focused on the guy that didn't get drafted until the 20s, and no matter how good or bad you think Blake Bortles is, Johnny Manziel was in the NFL for a hot second, and he's not in anymore. He's a busted pick. He was a waste of time, and he's something that Cleveland fans most likely want to forget. So it's funny to me how it's Texas A&M, it's Johnny Manziel, it's it's this, that, and the other, and it's not UCF, but when Blake Bortles gets drafted, he goes on to he goes onto the stage for two minutes. He holds up a jersey with the commish. Nobody talks to him. Nobody's got any questions for him. And like George O'Leary said to me, he's like, don't you feel like all the major sports networks had a, bun- a bunch of packages set up for one quarterback? And no matter what they did, that's the only package they had. And they had to play that package until late in the first round. But they didn't seem to have a package for the guy who was successful, drafted in the top three, and has been a starter pretty much since the day he walked into the NFL, whose team is now 7-3. and three. And he may not be the best quarterback out there, but at least he's still out there. And for Central Florida, a team that didn't deserve to play Baylor, how dare you disrespect Baylor on New Year's Day? Well, Baylor got spanked. So they've been, they haven't just been doing it this year. They've been doing this for a while. And my confusion comes up with saying, who would want to play UCF's offense right now? They, Syracuse tries to play a speed-up offense like UCF. UCF is better. Wake Forest tries to play it. UCF is better. No, The blueprint of a successful, fast offense and a defense that, outside of this game against South Florida, is making some stops and whatnot because UCF really hasn't played close games this year. I mean, they really do have, you know, almost the total package, and they are resilient. So it's just, it's comical to me that George O'Leary did all that work, Blake Bortles, Fiesta Bowl game in 2014, and yet here we sit having the same conversation. Nobody wants to respect UCF, or maybe it's that nobody wants to play them. Yeah, I mean, pretty much that's good. Nobody wants to play us. And going back to 2013, that Baylor game was set for 2014, January 1. Baylor and Vegas was a 17-point favorite. Everybody that does that bowl mania had them, whatever the highest confidence level is, that was the one they had for that game. And UCF does nothing but shut their mouth and come out and put up 52 points on Baylor, like no big deal. Boilers, I think, threw three or four touchdown passes in that game and ran in another one. And it was really never in doubt later in the game. Like, they really just ran away with it. Baylor couldn't tackle that running back, Storm Johnson. And it was just an amazing night uh, over there in Phoenix. One that I always look at, but now I'm kind of looking forward to Atlanta. Hopefully we get that shot at the Peach Bowl at the very least, since uh, nobody wants to put us in the CFP, and that's okay. But... You just kind of take what you can get with those guys right now. You know, we're, we're getting disrespected, and it just is what it is. But uh, tonight, it just feels good right now. It just feels good tonight. Yeah, you know, and it, it, it is crazy to me. You brought it up, you know, uh, the comedy of the fact that the only thing that UCF doesn't have is that one quality loss. 
I, I will tell you that Auburn has two. Georgia has one. Notre Dame has two. And the second being an undeniably embarrassing Saturday night game against Miami, who just lost to Pittsburgh, who hasn't been ranked all year. Ohio State has two. Penn State has two. USC has two. TCU has two. Washington State has two. Mississippi State has lost four games this season. Count them four, including the one to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss's record this season is six and six, and they're three and five inside of the SEC. So, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to understand what's going on here. You know, Auburn lost to LSU when LSU wasn't ranked. They lost to Clemson and only scored six points in that game. So that's their quality loss. Georgia's loss came to Auburn. And then you look at, you know, some of the other teams that are in this. And Notre Dame, they're not going into it. Somebody said going going into this week that Ohio State still has a chance. They lost to Oklahoma at home and were undeniably embarrassed. They lost to an unranked Iowa team by 31 points in Iowa, but apparently because that wasn't in Ohio State, it wasn't as drastic of a loss or as sad of a loss. Penn State had an opportunity to be in this thing and lost back-to-back games to Ohio State and Michigan State, two quality losses. USC lost to, you know, when you go back and look at their record, they lost to Notre Dame and they lost to Washington State, yet they are ranked higher than Washington State. TCU, they just extended their coach. They're going to keep their coach around for a little bit here. They lost to Oklahoma and Iowa State. And then uh, Washington State has lost to Arizona, who was unranked at the time, and lost to Cal, who was also unranked. So two unranked teams. And then they say, well, Dan, who did UCF play? Well, they played a Memphis team that only has one loss, which is to UCF a team that beat UCLA. They played at Maryland of the Big Ten and beat a Maryland team that's gotten better. They won a game at Navy, which is few and far between, not not only to beat a Navy team, but to beat Navy in Annapolis, Maryland. They beat SMU at SMU, which is a team that's going to a bowl game under Chad Morris, who's the former assistant to Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. And they beat Temple in Temple. And Temple, no matter who their coach has been, Matt Rule or Jeff Collins, they've been a tough team to play. And they just took down South Florida and Quentin Flowers, one of the best people that's never been up for the Heisman. So, you know, I mean, you look at UCF and they haven't lost a game. But like you said, they don't have a quality loss. Maybe they needed to play Georgia and lose 40 to nothing. Maybe they had to go up against Penn State and get embarrassed, whatever it may be. But when I look at this, I see Alabama undefeated. I see Wisconsin undefeated. I see UCF undefeated. And I see a Clemson team with one loss, which was to Syracuse, mind you, an unranked team. Oklahoma's only loss this season was to Iowa State, who was ranked later on in the season and was trending up. So, you know, Alabama's number one. If they lose one game, two games, they'll still find their way into the top four because they're the prodigal child of the college football playoff. Miami's out of it, should be. Clemson is in this thing, and if they take care of South Carolina, I'm sure they'll stay. And Oklahoma, you know, to me, they should be above Clemson, but they haven't gotten the respect. Wisconsin didn't beat anybody until they played Iowa and Michigan back-to-back, 
their finales against, against an unranked Minnesota team. If you want to argue about the AAC, then I'll argue with the Big Ten and I'll argue with the Big 12. The Big 12 has put together absolute garbage of talent. I'm not seeing Kansas in here. I'm not seeing Texas in here. Why don't we go to the Big 12 and look at the Big 12's records just for giggles? Oklahoma is at the top. Besides that, TCU's not going. Oklahoma State's not going. Texas, West Virginia, Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. You have teams that are 1-11, 1-10, seven wins or less for five, for five of the teams in the bottom. Or I should say six of the teams overall, seven wins or less for six out of the nine. And you have Oklahoma State at 8-3. and three. And your good teams are TCU and Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's hanging on by a thread to stay in the college football playoff. So you want to make an argument on conferences, I'll roll with you all day long in the Big 12, the Big 10, and the American. The fact of the matter is, it's about matchups. And I would put UCF against any team in this country right now, and I'll tell you right now, if they went to the college football playoff, I would intend for them to win at least one game. I'm with you there. I, I just don't see why we don't get a shot. I mean, if we if we post Memphis next week, which we do, and if we are able to beat them again, <laughs> again, and may, maybe not as handily as we did the first time, but if we pull it off again, there's no reason not to stick us in there at number four. I, I know it's not going to happen, but there's no reason not to. I mean, it's not like anybody ever went to the college football playoff and got blown out, right, Urban Meyer? Like, seriously... I mean, it happens. You get blown out. It doesn't matter what the you know what the emblem on your helmet says. You can get blown out no matter who you are. So who's to say UCF is not a great team until somebody actually puts one in the loss column on them? It's just it's just one of those things. Looking at it, like I said, from the outside because nobody wants to let us in. And uh, you know, but we're we're doing our thing, man. I mean, we're building our program. We're doing it the right way. Scott Frost is doing the right things and saying the right things, and Danny White, our athletic director, doing the right things, saying the right things, getting the money in to keep Frost here and the coaching staff. Uh, he has an amazing coaching staff. And uh, it's just it's our thing now. We're just doing our own thing, and, and we got to keep doing that until somebody wants to recognize us. And, and you know, if we, go, if we end up going 13-0 this year, that just is what it is. If we do it without a national title and we're the only team undefeated at the end of the season, it just kind of is what it is. If nobody wants to recognize it, we'll chant we're number one in Atlanta when we run Ohio State out of the building, okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it's not it's not like you said that Clemson defeated Ohio State 31 to nothing, or the fact that Alabama beat Washington 24-7 to and that it was probably one of the most boring semifinals in the history of anything to decide who a champion's going to be with with two teams that go to the championship game winning by a combined 55 points to 7. 55 to 7, Clemson and Alabama took out Ohio State and Washington, you know. So you look at something like that and you say to yourself, "Okay, so what is what, you know, what what is the criteria?" And like you said, do you really honestly think that UCF would be any worse than that? Do you think that they could play any worse than that? So, you know, to me, I think it comes down to matchups. And, yeah, they're a fast team. They're UFC fast. But at the same time, or UCF fast, pardon me. I said UFC. I'm thinking about fighting right now. But, you know, UCF fast, you know, they're playing defense too. And this game, obviously, there was a little bit less of that defense. 
but it was a hell of a game by a team who, I mean, think about it. Miami has been undefeated all season long. They go to Pittsburgh and they just can't get to the end of the road undefeated. You know, they stumble into the ACC championship up against Clemson, where UCF goes into this thing riding a high, feeling good, very strong, super effective. And you look at this championship game for the American, a combined record, if Memphis wins, a, com- a combined record of 21-1 and to go into this championship game. Clemson and Miami have a combined record right now of 20-2. and You look at the Big Ten, and Ohio State and Wisconsin have a combined record of 20-2 and as well. So, you know, you're adding up the conferences, and you're saying, okay, well, who's the best team there when you look at records-wise? And then if Georgia ends up going against Alabama, you're looking at 21-1, and same as the SEC. So, you know, to me, yeah, there's tough teams out there. Alabama's a tough team. But I want to look at Alabama's games. You know, they played FSU and they won that game. I was at the game in Atlanta. Then they played a really tough team called Fresno. I'm kidding. They played Colorado State. They played at Vanderbilt, who is atrociously awful. They played Ole Miss, who, like I said, is 3-5 and five in the conference. They played at Texas A&M, who finished off the season 7-4 and four so far. They played Arkansas, who fired their coach. They played Tennessee, who fired their coach. They played LSU, who wanted to fire their coach. Then up against Mississippi State in a close game, win by seven. And then, God forbid, they play a team that's of any merit at the end of the season. They beat Mercer 56 to nothing. So when it all comes down to it, we, we glorify Alabama for being this amazing team who can do no wrong Yet, you want to critique UCF's schedule when I just read you a schedule in the SEC with a bunch of teams that stink this year. And the overwhelming majority of Alabama's games were against no-name teams or teams that stink. They played two, three good games this season. I would venture to argue that UCF, you can say that Memphis and South Florida were two good games. So again, we can go up and down this thing and people can laugh all they want to, but when you're playing a bunch of teams that fire their coach in the middle of the season, as opposed to a bunch of schools whose coaches are asking to be talked to by the SEC, there's a big difference. That's for sure, man. And, you know, you really touched on some points there with UCF and Memphis. And the one thing I want to mention about the first time we played Memphis is uh, the entire panel over there at ESPN picked Memphis to win that game because they had beaten a subpar UCLA team at noon, a.k.a. 9 a.m., back in L.A., and, uh, you know, barely hung on to win the game, and they didn't really play much defense in that game either. And uh, all we did was come out and beat them 40-13, to and it was only 13 because they scored on the last play of the game to make it look kind of cute. But, I mean, honestly, how are people not looking here in Orlando? UCF has everything going for it. The on-campus stadium that's growing. You know, they sold it out tonight, and we're able to pull out a game against USF. That was the other thing I wanted to point out is USF's kicker had an amazing night with touchbacks right up until a minute to go in the game. He gives Mike Hughes a chance, and Mike Hughes takes it back all the way. I think it was about 95 yards, Hughes goes. And uh, Hughes is a kid that wasn't even at UCF in August. (laughs) August 1st, he was not here. August 16th was his first day on campus two weeks before the season started, and this is now one of the greatest players on the team. So just an amazing story 
for him as well. And, and uh, yeah, just we're a disrespected bunch. But like I said, we're just going to do our own thing and, and keep it going in the right direction for us. Absolutely. And, you know, and this game featured on both sides of the field players that were recruited by Syracuse, Adrian Killens Jr. on UCF at running back and quarterback Quentin Flowers of, of South Florida. Uh, really quick here, just to uh, just to wrap things up and kind of tie a bow on on this one. There's there's obviously a lot to be said a lot to be said about the American Athletic, about the disrespect uh, about South Florida and UCF and all the work that they put together and put forward. You know what can you say? Closing thoughts, Jason, about about this team and and is your intent to be there for UCF in Memphis? Uh, yes. Yes, (laughs) Uh, I I know I work three and a half hours away and live three and a half hours away, but I'm going to find a way to get in the building once again uh, and support my Knights. I've been watching this team for 29 years since I was a six-year-old kid, and uh, never a moment like tonight uh, when Hughes took that ball back and, and then we get the turnover there at the end of the game that we had been sorely needing the entire game. We finally get it when it counts the most. Uh, really, I mean, when Hughes ran that thing back, I fell down in my seat because I knew that was exactly the moment and what we needed at that moment was for him to bail the offense out to have to not go back on the field and do another pressure-filled drive that they had just done on that beautiful post route that Snelson caught. Uh, but, man, I, I just I, – it's very hard for me as somebody who's watched this team for so many years to put it into words. Uh, looking back, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, 24 months ago. We had just capped off an 0 and 12, 24 months ago, 0 and 12 season, and now I'm standing here saying we're 11 and 0, and we're going to our conference championship. Just unbelievable. Scott Frost and his staff have done an amazing job. I, I just don't even have all the words to do it justice. This has been an amazing year, and fun ride to be on as a fan and, and I really picked a good year to, to do a show of my own <laughs> and uh, man it's just it's been a lot of fun I, I don't know what else to say about it no you know and, it, and it's crazy and it, it's it's just an amazing I mean a team that weathered the storm literally and figuratively and and only got to play 11 games uh, first team in the history of division 1a football FBS to ever go from totally defeated to undefeated in a regular season in two years' time to go from 0-12 to 11-0. There's 130 FBS schools, and it's never been done in history by the other 129. Scott Frost has, has done an amazing job. He had Syracuse, Maryland, and Central Florida as his choices, and I believe that he chose very wisely. He, is, he has done so much in such a short amount of time to get a team that was 0-12 to a bowl game last year at 6-6 six and six, and then get them to 11-0 and this year playing in their first ever AAC conference championship game. And if they get the disrespect from the college football playoff, then the, the least that they could do is give them a New Year's game and, and watch them go to town and, and potentially win a game 56-13 to 13 or 14 or whatever it may be. So, you know, I, I'm excited for the future. I know that a lot of people are coming to Colin. And that's the thing when it comes to this, but I mean, I can imagine that you are hoping that Scott Frost does stay with with Central Florida. I selfishly get to talk to him every week, so it's my hope that he does too. Yeah, I absolutely hope he stays here, and 
and build what he said he was going to build. I mean, I, I think, I think just like that first year with O'Leary when he turned us around from Owen, it was Owen eleven back then because they only played eleven games. But when he turned us around, and we went eight and four in two thousand five, he stood in front of the Wayne Dench building out here at UCF, and he looked at the media when they all thought he might be going somewhere else, and he said, "Guys, this is only the beginning." And uh, I think I think this is only the beginning with Scott Frost. There's there's a lot more here to be built and a lot more here to be won. And I think this guy is going to stay around and build it because he wants to be a part of that because his family wants to be a part of that. He's got a newborn baby just like me. And uh, <laughs> I think he wants to be a part of what's being built here at UCF. And he, he really wants to carry that torch. And, you know, honestly, when you're making one million, two million, it's really, I mean, it's just tax brackets when you get up to that point anyway. So <laughs> I think I think he'll stick around here. And I think Danny White is going to have a tight leash on, on who actually <laughs> is able to talk to him during the offseason. But I, I honestly, Dan, I don't think the guy's going anywhere. I, I think he's seen, I mean, the grass isn't always greener. you got to look at Tom Herman this year. He goes to Texas with all this expectation and... <laughs> So, I mean, the grass isn't always greener, especially up in Nebraska, uh, where the grass is brown this time of year. So, there's no reason for him to leave, if you ask me. There's no reason, no reason on earth, besides maybe he wants a few more million dollars to go anywhere. But I think he's staying. Yeah, and, you know, that is that is the hope. We put up a bunch of polls, and uh, Florida fans want Chip Kelly a whole lot more than they want Scott Frost. So, Good luck with you on that one. This has been Jason Lucas and myself, Dan Satora. This is a live show following the USF-UCF. Might as well this might as well have been the AAC football championship game this year. Forty-two or forty-nine to forty-two in favor of UCF over USF. A phenomenal job by both quarterbacks, both coaches, both teams in and of themselves. They played this game all the way down to the last forty-six seconds. And it was a beautiful, beautiful array and sign of the American Athletic Conference. I'm very elated. Once again, that was on ABC, so everybody could see it that needs to see it. And if you see it, my fellow media members, and you try and you, if you watch it and then you pretend like your eyes were closed when you saw it, I will be here to remind you every single day. So if you hate me now, you're probably going to hate me a whole lot later. But you'll be hate me. You'll hate me and be a lot more knowledgeable than you were five minutes ago. Jason, as always, brother, it's been awesome and congratulations. My pleasure, Dan. Travel safe. I'll hope to see you here next week, man. All right, sounds good. Yeah, any excuse to go to Orlando, buddy? <laughs> so. That's right. I'll tell my wife. All right, take care. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Dan. Later. See you. So once again, Jason Lucas uh, doing a show down in Florida on Central Florida as well. And I uh, just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to this special show to follow. We'll be putting polls up on Twitter at CallDT. Uh, you can also follow on Instagram at WakeUpCall underscore DT. And like the page on Facebook at WakeUpCallDT. God bless you. Have a great day. To the American Athletic Conference. Thank you for doing what I know what, you, what I know you're capable of. UCF in South Florida, thank you for giving me a game that I was anticipating and hoping for and it actually outdid what I was expecting and uh, and that gives a lot of credit to the South Florida offense. Congrats to Charlie Strong and, and good luck to your bowl game going forward and UCF. 
I'll see you down in Orlando up against Memphis. Another phenomenal team with a phenomenal coach that I'm very blessed to cover in Mike Norvell. God bless y'all. Have a great day, and I'll talk with you soon.